Section 9 of Essays of Robert Louis Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Essays of Robert Louis Stevenson. Section 9 Books Which Have Influenced Me. The editor has somewhat insidiously laid a trap for his correspondence, the question put appearing at first so innocent, truly cutting so deep. It is not, indeed, until after some reconnaissance and review that the writer awakes to find himself engaged upon something in the nature of autobiography or perhaps worse, upon a chapter in the life of that little beautiful brother whom we once all had, and whom we have all lost and mourned, the man we ought to have been, the man we hoped to be. But when word has been passed, even to an editor, it should, if possible, be kept and if sometimes I am wise and say too little, and sometimes weak and say too much, the blame must lie at the door of the person who entrapped me. The most influential books, and the truest in their influence, are works of fiction. They do not pin the reader to a dogma, which he must afterwards discover to be inexact. They do not teach him a lesson, which he must afterwards unlearn. They repeat, they rearrange, they clarify the lessons of life. They disengage us from ourselves. They constrain us to the acquaintance of others. And they show us the web of experience not as we can see it for ourselves, but with a singular change, that monstrous consuming ego of ours being for the nonce struck out. To be so, they must be reasonably true to the human comedy, and any work that is so serves the turn of instruction but the course of our education is answered best by those poems and romances where we breathe a magnanimous atmosphere of thought, and meet generous and pious characters. Shakespeare has served me best. Few living friends have had upon me an influence so strong for good as Hamlet or Rosalind. The last character, already well beloved in the reading, I had the good fortune to see, I must think in an impressionable hour, played by Mistress Scott Siddons. Nothing has ever more moved, more delighted, more refreshed me, nor has the influence quite passed away. Kent's brief speech over the dying Lear had a great effect upon my mind, and was the burthen of my reflections for long, 
so profoundly so touchingly generous did it appear in sense so overpowering in expression perhaps my dearest and best friend outside of shakespeare is d'artagnan the elderly d'artagnan of the vicomte de bragelonne i know not a more human soul nor in his way a finer i shall be very sorry for the man who is so much of a pedant in morals that he cannot learn from the captain of musketeers lastly i must name the pilgrim's progress a book that breathes of every beautiful and valuable emotion but of works of art little can be said their influence is profound and silent like the influence of nature they mould by contact we drink them up like water and are bettered yet know not how it is in books more specifically didactic that we can follow out the effect and distinguish and weigh and compare a book which has been very influential upon me fell early into my hands and so may stand first though i think its influence was only sensible later on and perhaps still keeps growing for it is a book not easily outlived the essay of montaigne that temperate and genial picture of life is a great gift to place in the hands of persons of to-day they will find in these smiling pages a magazine of heroism and wisdom all of an antique strain they will have their linen decencies and excited orthodoxies fluttered and will if they have any gift of reading perceive that these have not been fluttered without some excuse and ground of reason and again if they have any gift of reading they will end by seeing that this old gentleman was in a dozen ways a finer fellow and held in a dozen ways a nobler view of life than they or their contemporaries the next book in order of time to influence me was the new testament and in particular the gospel according to st matthew i believe it would startle and move any one if they could make a certain effort of imagination and read it freshly like a book not droningly and dully like a portion of the bible any one would then be able to see in it those truths which we are all courteously supposed to know and all modestly refrain from applying but upon this subject it is perhaps better to be silent i come next to whitman's leaves of grass a book of singular service a book which tumbled the world upside down for me 
blew into space a thousand cobwebs of genteel and ethical illusion and having thus shaken my tabernacle of lies set me back again upon a strong foundation of all the original and manly virtues but it is once more only a book for those who have the gift of reading i will be very frank i believe it is so with all good books except perhaps fiction the average man lives and must live so wholly in convention that gunpowder charges of the truth are more apt to discompose than to invigorate his creed either he cries out upon blasphemy and indecency and crouches the closer round that little idol of part truths and part conveniences which is the contemporary deity or he is convinced by what is new forgets what is old and becomes truly blasphemous and indecent himself new truth is only useful to supplement the old rough truth is only wanted to expand not to destroy our civil and often elegant conventions he who cannot judge had better stick to fiction and the daily papers there he will get little harm and in the first at least some good close upon the back of my discovery of whitman i came under the influence of herbert spencer no more persuasive rabbi exists how much of his vast structure will bear the touch of time how much is clay and how much brass it were too curious to inquire but his words if dry are always manly and honest there dwells in his pages a spirit of highly abstract joy plucked naked like an algebraic symbol but still joyful and the reader will find there a caput mortuum of piety with little indeed of its loveliness but with most of its essentials and these two qualities make him a wholesome as his intellectual vigour makes him a bracing writer i should be much of a hound if i lost my gratitude to herbert spencer goethe's life by lewis had a great importance for me when it first fell into my hands a strange instance of the partiality of man's good and man's evil i know no one whom i less admire than goethe he seems a very epitome of the sins of genius breaking open the doors of private life and wantonly wounding friends in that crowning offence of werther and in his own character a mere pen-and-ink napoleon conscious of the rights and duties of superior talents 
as a spanish inquisitor was conscious of the rights and duties of his office and yet in his fine devotion to his art in his honest and serviceable friendship for schiller what lessons are contained biography usually so false to its office does here for once perform for us some of the work of fiction reminding us that is of the truly mingled tissue of man's nature and how huge faults and shining virtues cohabit and persevere in the same character history serves as well to this effect but in the originals not in the pages of the popular epitomizer who is bound by the very nature of his task to make us feel the difference of epochs instead of the essential identity of man and even in the originals only to those who can recognize their own human virtues and defects in strange forms often inverted and under strange names often interchanged martial is a poet of no good repute and it gives a man new thoughts to read his works dispassionately and find in this unseemly jester's serious passages the image of a kind wise and self-respecting gentleman it is customary i suppose in reading martial to leave out these pleasant verses i never heard of them at least until i found them for myself and this partiality is one among a thousand things that help to build up our distorted and hysterical conception of the great roman empire this brings us by a natural transition to a very noble book the meditations of marcus aurelius the dispassionate gravity the noble forgetfulness of self the tenderness of others that are there expressed and were practised on so great a scale in the life of its writer make this book a book quite by itself no one can read it and not be moved yet it scarcely or rarely appeals to the feelings those very mobile those not very trusty parts of man its address lies further back its lesson comes more deeply home when you have read you carry away with you a memory of the man himself it is as though you had touched a loyal hand looked into brave eyes and made a noble friend there is another bond on you thenceforward binding you to life and to the love of virtue wordsworth should perhaps come next everyone has been influenced by wordsworth and it is hard to tell precisely how a certain innocence a rugged austerity of joy 
a night of the stars the silence that is in the lonely hills something of the cold thrill of dawn cling to his work and give it a particular address to what is best in us i do not know that you learn a lesson you need not mill did not agree with any one of his beliefs and yet the spell is cast such are the best teachers a dogma learned is only a new error the old one was perhaps as good but a spirit communicated is a perpetual possession these best teachers climb beyond teaching to the plane of art it is themselves and what is best in themselves that they communicate i should never forgive myself if i forgot the egoist it is art if you like but it belongs purely to didactic art and from all the novels i have read and i have read thousands stands in a place by itself here is a nathan for the modern david here is a book to send the blood into men's faces satire the angry picture of human faults is not great art we can all be angry with our neighbour what we want is to be shown not his defects of which we are too conscious but his merits to which we are too blind and the egoist is a satire so much must be allowed but it is a satire of a singular quality which tells you nothing of that obvious moat which is engaged from first to last with that invisible beam it is yourself that is hunted down these are your own faults that are dragged into the day and numbered with lingering relish with cruel cunning and precision a young friend of mr meredith's as i have the story came to him in an agony this is too bad of you he cried willoughby is me no my dear fellow said the author he is all of us i have read the egoist five or six times myself and i mean to read it again for i am like the young friend of the anecdote i think willoughby an unmanly but a very serviceable exposure of myself i suppose when i am done i shall find that i have forgotten much that was most influential as i see already i have forgotten thorough and hazlitt whose paper on the spirit of obligations was a turning-point in my life and pen whose little book of aphorisms had a brief but strong effect on me and mitford's tales of old japan wherein i learned for the first time the proper attitude of any rational man to his country's laws 
a secret found and kept in the asiatic islands that i should commemorate all is more than i can hope or the editor could ask it will be more to the point after having said so much upon improving books to say a word or two about the improvable reader the gift of reading as i have called it is not very common nor very generally understood it consists first of all in a vast intellectual endowment a free grace i find i must call it by which a man rises to understand that he is not punctually right nor those from whom he differs absolutely wrong he may hold dogmas he may hold them passionately and he may know that others hold them but coldly or hold them differently or hold them not at all well if he has the gift of reading these others will be full of meat for him they will see the other side of propositions and the other side of virtues he need not change his dogma for that but he may change his reading of that dogma and he must supplement and correct his deductions from it a human truth which is always very much a lie hides as much of life as it displays it is men who hold another truth or as it seems to us perhaps a dangerous lie who can extend our restricted field of knowledge and rouse our drowsy consciences something that seems quite new or that seems insolently false or very dangerous is the test of a reader if he tries to see what it means what truth excuses it he has the gift and let him read if he is merely hurt or offended or exclaims upon his author's folly he had better take to the daily papers he will never be a reader and here with the aptest illustrative force after i have laid down my part truth i must step in with its opposite for after all we are vessels of a very limited content not all men can read all books it is only in a chosen few that any man will find his appointed food and the fittest lessons are the most palatable and make themselves welcome to the mind a writer learns this early and it is his chief support he goes on unafraid laying down the law and he is sure at heart that most of what he says is demonstrably false and much of a mingled strain and some hurtful and very little good for service but he is sure besides that when his words fall into the hands of any genuine reader 
they will be weighed and winnowed and only that which suits will be assimilated and when they fall into the hands of one who cannot intelligently read they come there quite silent and inarticulate falling upon deaf ears and his secret is kept as if he had not written end of section nine recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey